our Bible in Matthew chapter 11. Matthew 11. <coughs> Pardon me, Matthew chapter, yes, it is chapter 11. I wrote it wrong in my notes here. I wrote 10. Matthew 11, and we're going to look at this passage for the third time, and then I hope to move on uh, next week. But this passage is where Jesus offers rest. Jesus offers us rest. And today, uh, all of us are enjoying a little bit of rest. You're sitting in a, these chairs, and uh, you're letting yourself uh, be at ease for a while. And <clears throat> we're, they're padded, and um, they're, some of them have stains, but, you know, I don't think you can, I don't think that hinders your rest. But um, now if the screw pops up and gets you, then let me know about that, okay? And that might happen, I guess, if you sit down really hard. But you're, you're enjoying some rest today. And, and honestly, this is what we're talking about for the third Sunday in a row is Jesus offers rest. And I, I just want to get everything we can out of this text uh, without making up something, okay? This is, we're just spending really uh, time and <coughs> pondering what Jesus says here. <coughs> so let's consider this in Matthew 11, verse 28, 29, 30. What I'll do is I'll read it, I'll read it those three verses. No, we'll read it a second time together, okay? The second time we'll read it together. Matthew 11, verse 28, 29, 30. Jesus says, Come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Let's read that together beginning in verse 28. Begin. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. I'm going to pray one more time. Lord, <coughs> Lord God in heaven, thank you for who you are, and thank you for this word um, that we hear from your son and we want to know what it means to its fullest we want to live it experience it believe it um, we want to experience your rest Lord and your yoke and uh, we thank you for this time help me to just uh, pass along the truth as it is in Jesus name amen. amen so today we look at this passage and you see rest and then you see rest the end of verse 28 I will give you rest the end of verse 29, ye shall find rest. Charles Spurgeon preached a message. He preached from this, he preached from the book of Matthew, probably, I think, more than any other book. He preached, I think, five messages in his lifetime, uh, maybe more, but that's what I could find, from Matthew 11 and these passages. Charles Spurgeon did. One of his messages was titled, Rest, comma, Rest. <laughs> and, it's, and it's because it's, uh, it's, why did he do that? It's because I'll explain he sees, as I've been trying to say, there's two phases of rest here. The first verse, Jesus says, come, and there's rest. Come to him. The next, ver the next verse describes cooperating him with him, and there's rest. And that's what we're going to focus on today. The first verse there, verse 28, says it's about dropping off a weight, and there's rest. The next verse is about taking up a weight. And there's rest in that. The first verse, verse 28, is about finding rest by 
just fellowshipping, coming to a person. That implies you're connecting with a person. So there's rest and fellowship. The next verse talks about there's rest and fellowship, discipleship. So there's two phases here. We're focusing on this, this thought in verse 29 and 30 of a yoke. Take my yoke upon you. Somebody ever plowed anything? Everybody plowed, even if it was just a hoe, you know, you're hoeing your back. The rototiller. How many of us used a rototiller? Man, I thought I was a real farmer then. <laughs> I had a rototiller. I was getting all excited one time, making a little garden in our backyard. I borrowed, a, I don't know if it was my grandpa's or somebody's rototiller. I was like, yes, you know, give me the straw hat and everything. I thought I was, and I tried tilling that thing, you know, plowing, the, plowing up the garden. I won't tell you how the garden didn't go, but, uh, uh, you know, I did a little rototiller to, to till up the ground, to plow. You know, we have to plow. We're, pl- we're all plowing right now. You're all plowing something. If, if you're alive and you're engaged in any type of goal, t- toward any goal, you're plowing, right? You're, you're plowing f- through your job, right? If you have a job, some of it you might, maybe you're having a season of it's a little easy right now. But most of the time we're plowing through something. I got to get this project done. I got to meet this, meet this uh, g- uh, quota. I got to um, get this thing managed. I got to get these jobs finished. You're plowing through. You're plowing through. Some of us are plowing heavy, plowing through parenting. I know I am. Um, it's, it's, it's um, you know, we're, I'm trying to get these boys and even several of my older, one of my older daughters, and get them straight and turned out right. And so we're, we're working at it. And um, some of us are plowing through um, maybe some other project. But there's always, there's always something in life you're working at. And um, <coughs> Jesus knows here that people need to plow through things in life. That people need to, you know, put their hand to the plow or to the harness and, and go forward working, parenting, um, raising their children, um, um, doing a ministry, getting out of debt, whatever. There's all kinds of things. Jesus knows that we're having to exert ourselves. We're having to plow through life. So what he offers here. Since he knows that, he knows that, and he calls for people to come and, and plow in a better way. He, what Jesus does here, he offers an unagitating, undisturbing way of doing it. He says, take my yoke. It'll be less disturbing. It'll be less agitating. If you yoke with me, and plow through life with me. That's what he's saying here. And we're going to try to explain it. My goal is to explain that this morning. What does this mean about a yoke? And I mean, I had a yoke in my egg this morning. Well, what are we talking about? There's a yoke in my driveline of my car. What, what is this yoke stuff, you know? We, we don't see it very often. I even asked Brother Noble. Brother Noble's got some cattle. And I said, I know what a yoke is, but just, just a little side here. I said, Brother Noble, I know you got some cattle. I sent him a few texts. And it's like... Have you, Brother Noble, do you, do you guys have a yoke? And he's like, he sends me a text. No, I don't. I said, I'm just trying to look for one. He goes, Pastor, those people don't, you know, that's like, I don't remember the exact language of his text, but it was almost like he was saying, you know, what do you think I am, you know? <laughs> Living in the Stone Age? Yeah. <laughs> he said something like, people don't use those anymore. I don't know where to find one. That's what he said. I wouldn't know where to find one. People don't use those anymore. And, I mean, I just thought maybe he'd have one hanging around. So I don't know if people use them. <laughs> But it's different types of harnesses that we have nowadays. But a traditional yoke, uh, I want to try to describe to you, is not um, 
It's not something that you think of on a vehicle or, uh, or the, the, the yellow of your egg there. It, um, it's a, it usually it was made out of wood, a cross member there, and it tied together two animals, commonly two oxen. It tied them together. At the end of each end of this sturdy piece of wood was like a collar and it drooped down on each side, of, usually of leather, and the, the oxen would have its head through it and it would press on its, the bottom part of its neck and on its shoulders and it'd have, that would be where the pressure was on each oxen like that, and it would tie them together. And it would just be like this. It was tied right there, the collar to the, to the cross member of this sturdy piece of wood, and the wood was probably a ring or some other implement to pull its load, its load of a, a wagon or of a plow or of something else. So you'd have one sturdy ox here and another sturdy ox here, and, the, and they would just start, they would progress through, you know? And that's what you would do. Now listen, um, usually they're pulling a load they're plowing or whatever, and they did it because it was just more efficient. Um, you know, when you get, if you're pulling something on yourself, there's, there's a pause even in between each exertion of a step. But if you have two animals that are plowing, there's less pause between steps because you have four feet that are exerting. Now you have, well, you have eight now, and there's, it's more of a smooth, instead of a lunging, it's more of a smooth, continual movement. Plus, you're, the synergy of them pulling together just it's more efficient, it's better, it's smoother, it just goes better. What they would often do is if, when you yoke together two animals, uh, let's just say oxen, um, they would even get, if there was a younger one, that they, they would have a younger one that would, they wouldn't want to teach how to handle a yoke. And they wouldn't put two young oxen together, they would put a younger oxen with an older oxen, and they'd yoke them together. And, and they would pull together, and the younger ox would learn the pace, the steadiness, the straightness of the older one. And honestly, the younger ox wouldn't, wasn't really pulling that much in the first place anyways because he was just partnered with this stronger, more experienced ox. And that's what Jesus is describing here today. He's saying, come yoke with me. You have to plow you know, come plow with me. You have to plow through things. Everybody's going to plow through something in life. Nobody, nobody's life is without work. And if you are without work, you're probably restless. Amen. Some people that are most restless are people that are doing not, not, that mu not doing that much. They need something to do. I was reading about I was looking, reading, D.L. Moody was talking about this text and he was talking to his friend F.B. Meyer and he said that he went out to a field with them and he said, watch this. And, and there, was, uh, there was some ox in the field, oxen in the field, and one of the ranchers or whatever began to put a yoke on one of the, the ox. And as he did, another one of the oxes was across the field, saw it, and came trotting across, just trotting right across the field, and stood right next to the other one, ready to be yoked in together. It's like he just knew, oh, I'm gonna, it's time to do something. And it would yoke, they would yoke up together. And what this passage is saying here is Jesus is saying, I have a yoke and I'm calling you over. I have work to do, you have work to do. It's too heavy for you, so put it off, so come over to me and let's yoke together. 
It's talking about just partnering with Christ in your life. So the main point today that we want to develop is the simple thought that we must yoke with Jesus Christ. We must learn to partner with him and not try to plow through everything on our own. That's what, that's what it's teaching. Um, it's better than going alone. His load is lighter. His, his, it, his nature is calmer. It's a description, this is basically a description of being a disciple of Christ, a follower of Christ. So I want to give, so what does this mean? What does this yoke mean? And we give five descriptions of what it means to yoke with Christ. Five descriptions, that's our goal today. Number one, this is about work. When Jesus says, take my yoke upon you, I have one, I'm, I haven't harnessed, why don't you take it upon you? And we'll pair up. It's about work, number one. Again, I, I mentioned this about being restless. It is in man's nature to work. It's in man's nature to work. I, I don't mean just a male's nature. I mean in mankind. We, we want to we work. And um, a Christian will, find, will not find true rest being idle. We think we do. I don't want to do anything. Not very many people find real contentment being idle. I mean, as we get older, we can't do as much as we did, but you want to be occupied. You want to put your hand to some plow, right? You want to do something. And Jesus doesn't say here in verse 28, come unto me, all you that are labor and are heavy laden, I'll give you rest, and just sit there and do nothing. He's saying, come unto me, and with your burdens, it's talking about bringing God the, our burdens, that's by having a relationship with him, a prayer life with him, and then partnering with him in whatever else you do. Um, we get rest from things. If you come to Jesus Christ and you have sin in your heart, if you have sin in your life, you confess it, unload it on him, say, Lord, I'm weighed down by my addiction. I'm weighed down by my, my guilt. I'm weighed down. You come to him and you have rest just by connecting with him. And you get rest from that burden. Many of us that have been saved, we can, we, we can say that I have rest from being in Satan's harness. I was in Satan's yoke. I was, uh, I was uh, in, the, in a lifestyle that <coughs> where I was a slave of Satan to drink or to a certain relationship or whatever. And I was a slave. I was in his yoke. And, and when I met Christ, I, I put off that yoke. Now I have rest from those things. I'm, oh, whew because I came to Christ, so I have rest now in my new life in Christ. Yes, we have rest from, but now we need to have rest in something. And now he's talking, so he's talking here about resting in an occupation, occupying yourself with him. We should treat whatever we're doing as, hey, I'm working with Jesus. I have work to do. Jesus is basically saying here, the life I give you is a labor. It is a burden, but it's not a labor to devastate you. It's not a burden to destroy you like it was when you were under your religious pressure of your old religion or under your, the, 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 the slavery of Satan. It's not that kind of exertion, that kind of burden. It's a different kind. Amen. It's better. It's lighter. My burden is, look what it says in verse 30. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. That means it's, this is manageable. 
the Christ, this is what I'm saying. If we were to say, I'm going to live whatever, the, I want to find out what the Christian life is really about, I'll tell you this much, it's whatever it is about, it's manageable. If it's getting to where your Christian life, man, this is just not manageable, then there's something wrong with your Christian life. But if we walk with Christ and we're connected with Christ, whatever we're dealing with will be manageable, even suffering. There's been people who have been more uncomfortable sitting on a throne than some who have been martyrs on a rack because they found, they found a certain peace being yoked with Christ, even in the martyr's rack. Um, but this is about, what's this about? Working. It's about working. Number two, this is about submission. He says, take my yoke upon you. You know, you follow the term yoke and everything in the scripture. It, it brings the idea of you're submitted to somebody. Uh, a lot of time, well, maybe half the time, if you trace the word yoke in scripture, it's talking about a, a hard submission. You're yoked with your enemies. The Jews had to go into the yoke of the the Babylonians, when they went into captivity, and it was a, they had to submit to them. It wasn't fun. Um, uh, so this is about, what's this about? It's about submission. It's about submission. You know, uh, you ever notice this with animals? I've seen this with animals, and I see this with people. <clears throat> Do you ever see a dog, you know, a real energetic dog? You know, how many of us have a very energetic dog? Okay, all right. You get a dog, he's real energetic. <laughs> you know, he's going around trying to smell everything and, and he wants to eat everything and, and um, he wants to uh, bark at this or jump on this person or whatever. He's just, and you think, well, he, you know, um, you might think, well, that dog, he's just, you know, he's, he's just running free, just being free, just having love and life. And, but, but is he really free? If every impulse he goes to, every smell he goes to, everything he wants to eat, he eats. Every person that gets him upset, he barks at and bites. I mean, is that really free or is he a slave to something? He's a slave to all of his impulses. I've seen people like that. They think they're free. Don't tell me what to do. Well, no, you, somebody else already is. Every thought that's filthy you're going after, you're, all your appetites, Every temper that rails up, you're, you're subject to it. You're a slave, you're a slave, you're a slave. And so you're yoked to your passions, and your passions are telling you what to do. But when a dog gets under his master, and the master works on him and gets him trained, you watch that dog, you see peace with that dog. And same thing with a person. When that person says, man, I, I thought I was free, but I'm really a slave, and I thought I was doing my own thing, but I really wasn't. I was just doing everything my sinful passions were telling me to do. And when they come to Christ and they're saved, or if it's a Christian who's not rocking with the Lord and they submit all, they die to self and they just come to Christ, oh, there's rest now. Huh? There's rest. There's rest in being, there's peace in being submitted to Jesus Christ. There's peace in that. And this is talking about, um, the idea of somebody who needs to be connected with somebody else more tempered like the Lord Jesus Christ is about submission. Number two, it's about submission. Number three, it's about partnership. We've mentioned this, but let's just consider it again. A yoke here, there are such yokes. You could find singular yokes in agriculture or cattle. But the one that's commonly used in Scripture is one where it's a dual yoke. <coughs> one man said, 
It is a fatal mistake, pardon me, it is a mistake to bear life's load in a single collar. We must put off the taxing collar of self each day and be partnered with Christ each day. We should have the mentality of every day, I'm not going alone. I'm going to go with Christ. I'm going to have Christ be my, set my pace, you know, guide me by his word, guide me by his spirit. I don't want to just get up and say, it's up to me and everything. I love first, I quote this to myself a lot, 1 Thessalonians 5.24. Faithful is he who calleth you, who also will do it. Faithful is he who calls you over to the yoke, who also is going to pull the weight. In fact, he'll pull most of the weight. By the way, we're not talking about being saved. There's no weight you pull in being saved. It's Jesus. You just rest in him. He saves your soul. There's no, well, it's a little bit me. It's a little bit him. No, it doesn't work that way. Otherwise, you would boast. This is talking about living the Christian life by depending on Christ. And he pulls. We're a partner with him. Faithful is he who calleth you, who also will do it. First Thessalonians 5.24. What else is this about? Number four, this is about learning. Now, this is where I think we can spend a little bit more time because Jesus uses a little more words about this. Look what it says, verse 29. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me. For I am meek and lowly in heart, and you shall find rest unto your souls. So Jesus is saying, hey, you want to get rest? All right, come to me. You want to get rest? Okay, take my yoke upon you. And then here's what it involves. Now, let's consider really what he's saying here. Let's let this sink in. Learn of me, and you'll find rest for your souls. Well, wait a second. Learn what of Jesus? Need to learn of Jesus, and I'll have rest to my soul. I'll have an inner peace in my soul just by learning. So just learn some doctrine. That's not what he's saying. That, that isn't, the Bible doesn't say don't learn doctrine. It's just, if we're going to talk about this passage, he doesn't say, come learn some doctrine of me. Come learn some deep truths. He doesn't say that. He doesn't say, come learn um, uh, some facts about Christianity and you'll find rest. Nope, doesn't say that. Not here. He says, learn of me. And then he describes how he is in spirit and character. Learn of me, my character, my spirit. I'm meek. I'm lowly in heart. And how, if you are yoked with somebody and that person's meek and lowly in heart and you're connected to them, you're going to end up being like that. And there's a peace in becoming a meek person in, and lowly in heart. There's a, it eliminates a lot of restlessness in our life and a lot of, uh, uh, if we learn to be meek and lowly in heart. That's what he's saying here. Notice, let's consider that. He is meek. He says, learn of me for, learn what? I'm meek. What does meek mean? It means somebody who's <laughs> modest, mild, easygoing. Easygoing, I always think of as a good description of meek doesn't mean you don't care about anything. It's just you're not coming unglued. Now think about this. If Jesus was meek. He was meek. Um, when he had uh, 
He fasted 40 days in the desert, and the devil came to him at the end of that and tempted him and everything. And Jesus could have just blew him out of existence. And there'll be a day when he does, at least put him in the bottomless pit. But Jesus didn't. He handled it with the word of God. He quoted the word of God back to Satan. He did that for our sake because he knows that we're not divine enough to throw Satan into the bottomless pit. So he did something that we could do for victory, and that is quote scripture and get thee behind me, Satan. So that's what Jesus did. Like, that's neat. The devil even offered him, he says, and the devil has power over kingdoms of this world. He's called the God of this world. So the devil offered Jesus in his humanity, in his <coughs> humble state, in his uh, um, state of being subjected to the lifestyle of a, of a common man. The devil says, hey, after all the temptation, he says, you know what? See all these kingdoms? He gave him some kind of vision of all the kingdoms of the world and the glory of them. He says, if you fall down and submit to me, I'll give you all this stuff. That shows that the devil does have power in leverage in kingdoms. And Jesus said, get thee behind me, Satan. I mean, Jesus just, he just, he just meekly um, um, pushed the devil away. Think about this. Jesus was meek. Uh, let me give you an example here. In fact, why don't we just read it? Let's hold your place. Let's look in Luke chapter 9. Here's an, I'm trying to let you see. We read the word meek, but I want you to see what it looks like. What does it look like? Matthew, or pardon me, Luke chapter 9, <coughs> verse 51 to 56. Because if we were to have rest, we need to learn to be meek. And the best way to learn to be meek is to see what, how was it in the life of Jesus. And he says here, Matthew 9, verse 51. Notice an incident that happens here. We'll read verses 51 to 56. And it came to pass when the time was come that he should be received up, he steadfastly set his face to go to Jerusalem and sent messengers before his face. And they went and entered into a village of the Samaritans to make ready for him. Well, we're going to pause right there. So Jesus, the end of his uh, time, probably his last year, being on earth before, before the crucifixion, he's getting ready. He's going to pass from, uh, in this case, it's probably going from north to south, and between Galilee and Judea, northern Israel, southern Israel, is a little area called the Samaritan, uh, Samaria. There's some villages there. So had the disciples get ready. I'm going to pass through Samaria. I'm going to pass through, and one of the villages he was going to go through, and then they continue on to Jerusalem. When he came in, well, let's read what it says next. Verse 53, and they did not receive him because... His face was as though he would go to Jerusalem. Ah, they didn't like what he looked like. They didn't like his, 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 what, where he's going to do. So Jesus is, he's going to go from north to south, goes through a village at the Samaritans. Now, nobody dealt with Samaritans, but Jesus would. I mean, this is a gracious thing that he would even visit a village of the Samaritans. They were not what they should be theologically. Their worship was messed up. But he was going to visit them. He had already visited one with some woman at the well. But anyways, he goes through, and they're there. They're like, he just wants to go right. He's going to spend time with us, and he's going to go to Jerusalem. <coughs> we don't like those people in Jerusalem. That's how the Samaritans were. So they were kind of offended at Jesus. You're just going to go through here. Eh, we don't want you here. You're just going to 
kind of used this as a stepping stone. That's, they looked at it in the worst light. The Samaritans did. This village. Not all. It didn't say every Samaritan village. It's this one. Yeah. And so what does it say? They did not receive him. Yeah, his face is as though he's going to go to Jerusalem. Now, this is an act of graciousness that the disciples would go through there, that Jesus would go through there. The Messiah would present himself to them. So look what re the reaction of the disciples, verse 54. And when his disciples, James and John, saw this, they said, Lord, wilt thou that we command fire to come down from heaven and consume them even as Elias did? I mean, these guys were very audacious right here. Lord, we've read our Bible. We know what the power you gave Elijah to just go, and the fire came down and consumed that sacrifice. You want us to do that here? These people really ticked us off. This is not right. We offer this gracious thing to them, and they just snub us. We've not done anything wrong. Look at this. Do you want us to, we can do it, Lord. Just do you want us to command the fire to come down? I mean, these guys. James and John were called the sons of thunder. All right? There's some kind of anger issue there with them. But um, you want us to just command this, and we'll just whoo, wipe them out, and we just go our way, man. That's what they get. We tried to be nice to them. We're going to Jerusalem. And anyways, they, and so Jesus, what does Jesus answer? Jesus, 50, verse 55. But he turned and rebuked them and said, ye know not what manner of spirit ye are of. He's like, you guys don't even know what kind of attitude you have. You don't get, this is not the attitude that I have. Verse 56. For the Son of Man is not come to destroy men's lives, but to save them. That's a great statement. Jesus doesn't want to destroy people's lives. Sin does. Satan does. Maybe other sinister people do. Jesus is like, I'm not come to destroy their lives, even though they, this, is, this is a snub. I'm not going to destroy their lives. I've come to save them. And notice the last sentence in verse 56. And they went to another village. <laughs> this is meek. This is a meek savior. Easy going. He says, learn that. Learn that right there. Yoke with me and learn I'm meek and, and lowly in heart. I, I guess what I'm saying is this. This is what I found in my life. If I labor, if I proceed through life in my relationship with God, yet I try to, I, yet I haven't, watch this. If I have not a meek spirit, it's restless. Here's what happens to me. <coughs> I pass through my own little Samaritan thing and somebody doesn't like me. They don't like how I look or what I'm doing. They're offended with how I perform. If I have not a meek spirit, when I find out somebody's offended at me, you know what happens? My pride gets up off the couch. Says, oh yeah? Right. And I get defensive. And I get a little ticked off. Well, what do you mean you're, you don't like how I did this? And I, and I get a little defensive. And, I, and my meekness causes, or my lack of meekness and my presence of pride causes a disturbance. Or I might be like, I can't believe this. I'm just quitting it. I'm never going to do anything good for people anymore. And I just quit because of a lack of meekness. Jesus didn't do any of those. People snubbed him. He just, oh, I'm quitting. People snubbed him. He just <coughs> snap him out. No, he just went on. It's easy going. I mean, I'm just preaching the Bible here. This is Jesus. He says, yoke up with me. You're going to learn that, and it'll be restful to your life. 
unto your soul. That's what he's saying. If we learn that he's meek, it'll have a restful effect upon our soul as we adapt that same character trait. Think about this. Think about how many people go through so much problems and angst and pay tons of money for counselors and psychologists to whatever, and yet a lot of times it's like, quit being such a big shot yourself and just be meek and lighten up a little bit. The more my life is about me, the more restlessness I have. So, Jesus says, learn I'm meek. Then he says, learn I'm lowly. It's similar. It's a similar description. Let's look at it. He says, for I am meek and I'm lowly in heart. Do you know what lowly means? It means it doesn't come that high off the ground. The opposite would be exalted. He says, I'm not like that. I'm, in, his, in his humanity, in the life he lived, the Christ life, which we're supposed to have the Christ life, that's what the Christian life is. He says, I'm lowly in heart. That means not rising far from the ground. <coughs> it means willing, listen to this, willing to be little. I find that I'm, when I'm willing to be little, things just go better. When I fight against being little, it's restless. It's burdensome. But if I'm lowly in heart, I'm willing to be little. Another way of saying it, I'm just humble. Rest to my soul. That's what Jesus is getting at. Um, as we learn of his lowly heart and make that same heart ours, we'll find our burden light because we comply with God's will instead of fight it. We learn to be content, rich, poor, healthy, sick known, unknown. We learn to be content with it because it's all the same because our goal is if a guy be glorified, what does it matter what state I am? I'm going to read you a quote by Charles Spurgeon. Um, listen to this. He's describing this, this phrase about lowly spirit, the lowly in heart. He says, the lowly spirit does not seek after great things for itself. If it be poor, never mind, says the lowly one. I never aspired to be rich. Among the great ones of this earth, I never desired to shine. If it be denied honor, it says, I never asked for the earthly glory. Why should I be honored, a poor worm like me? If, it, if I can get Christ to say, well done, good and faithful servant, that is enough for me. And if the lowly hearted have little worldly pleasures, the lowly hearted says, well, this is not my place for pleasure. I deserve eternal pain. If I do not have pleasures here, I shall have them hereafter. I am well content to abide my time. That's how he described this person that gets yoked with Christ and lowly hearted, lowly in heart. So it's about learning. Isn't that amazing? Learn of me. Number five, last point. This is about a choice. He's, everything he's saying here is, this is the choice. You can come to me and find rest 
In addition to that, you can yoke and partner with me every day. Take on my character, meek and lowly in heart. Just stay connected to me. Or you could not. You could plow your, plow your way through life on your own. Try to bear your burdens on your own. It's a choice. We ch- Listen, this is very plain. You choose to serve God or not. You and I choose to trust God or not. Nobody can choose that for you. Why don't people, in fact, the Pharisees, Jesus said in John 5, 40, the Pharisees, they heard all this, and Jesus says, you know, and ye will not come unto me that ye might have life. The Pharisees just chose not to. And why wouldn't somebody plow with Christ? Why wouldn't somebody partner with Christ in a a daily dependent relationship with him every day? Why wouldn't somebody do that? Why wouldn't somebody want to harden this with Jesus Christ and make him their partner every day and have that personal relationship? Why wouldn't somebody want to do that? There's a few reasons I would think would be pride would be one. Pride is the exalting of self, the swelling of, of ourselves. We don't want to contract self. Unbelief. I don't trust Jesus. I don't trust God. And then for some, a faulty view of God might be why some people don't yoke and take up his yoke and and find a way to um, follow in, in that harness every day because they have a faulty view of God. Here's what one man said. Of all, think about this, of all persons in the universe, Christ is not hard to get along with. Some of us are. Of all persons in existence anywhere, Christ is not hard to get along with. So then, as a person, this is a Christian counselor, a Baptist Christian counselor says, then what keeps us from him? It is not the master. It's the hard view of the master. People have a mental, a faulty view of Christ, a faulty view of Jesus as our master. That keeps them from him. It it could be other things, but that could be one factor that keeps them from him. Yoking with Christ. Take my yoke upon you. Learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart. And you shall find rest unto your souls. I want this. I want every bit of this verse here. I hope you do too. Again, though, I know I'm speaking to mostly maybe believers. The biggest issue, the biggest burden is to make sure our sin burden has been put on Christ by faith. He took, he, he died to pay for the cost of it, the payment of it. And our biggest problem is our guilt with God. And we need to get that guilt off of us. And God says, if you put your faith in my son, then all the guilt is reckoned to him, and it's been paid for on the cross. So putting our personal faith in Jesus Christ as our Savior saves us and removes the biggest weight we could ever have. And if you haven't done that today, today is your day to do that, to accept him, to pray, and accept him as your Savior. Say, Jesus, be my Savior. Save my soul. And for those of us that are believers, let's take this yoke. Let's pray together. Thank you, Lord.